What I would like to do, Kenzie, you can just continue to play during this time just slightly. What I would like to do is take a moment here and I would like to share with you a word from the Word of God. What we need right now is a word from the Word of God. We need God's Word to speak to us. And I have a word on my heart tonight for just a few minutes. I'll, you know, famous last words. I'll try not to go long, but, you know, famous last words of a preacher. But I want to bring something to you. You, I hold in my hand our anchor during these difficult times. I hold in my hand an anchor for the soul, an anchor for the church. You know, the economy may fail, but I tell you, the economy of God will never fail. The Word of God will never fail. And these scriptures, some of these scriptures are going to be on the screen. You can follow along there. Open your Bible with your family. Uh, These these, uh, verses will be on there. If you want to follow along, I'll go a little bit quick, so I won't be able to wait for you on everything. But I want to share something tonight with you that it's a ministry. In fact, it's a ministry right now that we really need during this time. In other words, we need the body of Christ to, to really stand up and to engage in this ministry right now. In fact, it's, it's a ministry that every child of God can participate in. Now, you know as well as I do, not every ministry is a ministry that someone's called to. Not everyone's called to be an apostle. Not everyone's called to be a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor and a teacher. Those are more uh, narrow ministry. Those are more ministries that people are called to. It's like a lifelong commitment. Some call it vocational ministry. And not, not everyone's called to those ministry. But the ministry that I want to talk about and share with you this evening is a ministry that every one of us can engage in. Young and old alike, if you're a child of God, you are called to this ministry. And Paul talks about it in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. I'll read these verses to us. You can follow along here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3, beginning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Notice who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Then he says, with the comfort we, which we ourselves have been comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for the enduring of the same suffering, which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Verse 7, and our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. So what is this ministry that we can engage in? What is this ministry? I I call it the ministry of encouragement. That's the title of this teaching and this message tonight. The ministry of encouragement. If we ever needed this ministry, 
within the body of Christ and to flow through the body of Christ. It's right now. We desperately need this ministry of encouragement. So, Father, for these moments that I will speak, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God will flow through me. I pray that you would put your spirit in me and let your words flow through me tonight. I pray that everyone listening to this message would receive encouragement and would receive divine direction from your word. And every one of us would take up the call and the ministry of encouragement. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The ministry of encouragement. So what is this? I have three things I want to say about the ministry of encouragement. The first thing I want you to know about this ministry of encouragement is this. Number one is, it's a neglected ministry. It's often a ministry that is neglected. Now, I think there's three reasons that the ministry of encouragement is lacking in the body of Christ. In other words, I think there's three reasons And there probably are many more. Three things that God put on my heart of why the ministry of encouragement is neglected within the family of God. Number one is is this. It's neglected because of our tendency towards selfishness. Paul in Philippians, he gives us a challenge. It's It's actually a beautiful, beautiful challenge. Philippians chapter two and he makes an appeal. And what, is, what it is, it's an appeal to unselfishness. He says this in Philippians 2, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. In other words, Paul is saying this, If Christ has given you mercy, if you've ever been comforted, if you've ever been ministered to, if you've ever been brought out of something, if you've ever had God bless you, and certainly we have a million times, He said, that should translate over to this. Verse two, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, having the same love that you received from Christ. I want you to have this same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Notice verse four. This will be on on your screen. Let each of you look look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Why did Paul have to say that? Because we have a tendency toward selfishness. It's not hard for us to think of ourselves first, but it takes the Holy Spirit in us to lift us out of ourselves and our own small world and look around to others that may have needs around us. Why is the ministry of encouragement neglected? Because of our tendency toward selfishness. It doesn't take brilliance to know that we live in a very selfish world. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 12 where it says there was a man who was very blessed. He had much wealth. And he said within himself, and I, and I noticed that passage is filled with I. I will do this. I will build barns, tear down the boards and build bigger. I will do this. I will do that. There's, there's just that little passage, a parable that Jesus spoke about the rich fool. It's filled with I, 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 I. But Jesus said, your soul will be required of you this night. That's the world we live in. We have that tendency to just try to worry about our own little world. 
That's why encouragement is neglected. Secondly is this. I think another reason the ministry of encouragement is neglected is because of our tendency toward fault finding. I won't touch long here, but Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. With the same judgment you judge, it will be judged back to you again. In other words, what you sow is what you reap. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus, our Savior, does not forbid all types and all forms of judgment. In fact, in that very passage in Matthew, in verse 6, he says, don't cast your pearls before swine, which takes a form of discernment and judgment. But what, what is he talking about there? He's talking about the tendency to be critical, the tendency to have a fault-finding spirit instead of an encouraging spirit. It may be one of the reasons that the ministry of encouragement is neglected because we have a tendency toward selfishness. We have a tendency toward fault-finding. Here's the third thing of why I think the ministry of encouragement is neglected, and that's our tendency toward busyness. It says in the book of Hebrews, a very familiar passage, this will be on your screen. Here's what it says. Not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as the manner of some, notice this, but exhorting one another. Notice that. But exhorting one another and much more as you see the day approaching. Now, it's interesting here that one of the reasons for going to the worship service one of the reasons, one of the, I would say it this way, one of the major region, reasons to go and gather in believers meeting, to worship together on a Sunday, to worship together on a Wednesday, to hear the word of God, one of the major reasons has nothing to do with you and me. Did you notice it in the passage I just read? He said this, now notice he says, don't forsake the assemblings of yourself together. Why? Then he says, exhorting one another. Do you know there's people that need you to go to church? There's people that need you to show up. There's people that need you to lift your hands. There's people that need you to have words of encouragement for them. So one of the major reasons for going to church has nothing to do with you and your family. It has to do with other people and other families. And one of the reasons the ministry of encouragement is neglected is because we're so busy. Well, I want you to know, Jesus does not want you to fit him into your calendar. He does not want you to fit him into your schedule. He wants to take over your schedule. He wants to take over our lives. Is he not the Lord Jesus Christ? And when he's Lord, what he says comes first. Now think about it. Why is the ministry of encouragement ne neglected? Number one, our tendency toward selfishness. Number two is our tendency toward fault finding. Anyone can find fault. Our tendency toward busyness. It's a neglected ministry. Let's, let's purpose tonight. Let's purpose tonight. We're going to close in prayer in a little while. And well, let's purpose tonight. We're not going to neglect this ministry. Right now, there are saved people and lost people that desperately need a word of encouragement. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So first of all tonight, think about this. It's a neglected ministry. Secondly, it is a needed ministry. It's a needed ministry. We need this ministry. Yeah, we need the apostle. We need the prophet. We need the, the worshiper. We, we need the teacher. We need the pastor. We need so many ministries need to be fully functioning, functioning, fully anointed, fully activated in the body. 
But I want you to know this ministry of an encouragement is not just something a pastor does or a missionary does. It's a ministry that every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, can engage in. It's a ministry you've been called to. And the Lord wants us to take up the task of the ministry of encouragement. So, so why is it needed? It's neglected, often neglected. But why is it needed? Why is it needed? Several reasons. One is that believers are going through many different storms, many different kinds of trials right now. Difficulty. Some, some are, have gotten this coronavirus. But what I want you to know is this. Peter spoke and said this. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which will try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Verse 13 says, but rejoice. Isn't that a strange way to act? That's not how the world reacts. That's not how, that's not how many Christians act. But if we're going to obey the Lord, when trials come, we rejoice. We rejoice. We're not going to allow the trial to steal our faith and steal our joy and our song. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of the sufferings of Christ. And when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. See, all of our trials are going to be over soon, and we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. They're only temporary. Paul called them light, light afflictions. Well, when you think about what Paul went through, it didn't seem so light. Beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead, etc. But I want you to know that many believers are facing trials and storms. We need this ministry to go on. And in trials and storms, that discouraged person, that person that needs to be lifted up, they need to hear the voice of God, but they also need to hear the voice of another believer saying, fear not, child of God. You're going to make it through. This too will pass. All this will, all this will pass in our nation, and the church of Jesus Christ will still be alive, still proclaiming the gospel. We're going to make it through this. Why? Because Jesus Christ cannot be conquered. There shall be a church. Why is it needed? Many believers are facing difficulties. Secondly, it's needed because believers can become very discouraged. Discouragement is a battle all of us face. Paul became so discouraged right here in this text that I read you in 2 Corinthians 1. Listen to verse 8. You're talking about a storm. Paul said, we're not making it. We're not, we may not even make it through this. 2 Corinthians 1.8 says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we, that we were burdened, notice this, we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. He said, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul says here, we were at the end of the rope. We did not think we were going to make it. That's a difficult trial. Think about Elijah, so discouraged that he wanted to die. He wanted to die. The great prophet Elijah who had proclaimed the word of God in the face of the prophets of Asher and the prophets of Baal, who had the great com uh, confrontation on Carmel, and the, the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And God worked miracles. And yet not very long, he's fleeing from Jezebel. And in not very long, 
He's saying, I just want to die. I heard someone say one time, if you've never wanted to give up, you've never really tried anything significant. Why do we need this ministry? Because we can become discouraged. Our brothers and sisters can become discouraged. Pastors can become discouraged. Believers can become discouraged. Deacons can become discouraged. We need this ministry. Look at this. Look in Numbers. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. Well, I feel this tonight, church. I feel this passage tonight. I feel this message tonight. The ministry of encouragement. Numbers 21. Look at this. Look at Israel. Look what happened. It says, Numbers 21, verse 4. And they, this is Israel, they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Notice this. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Here Israel is on their journey. They've come out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness now. They're journeying toward the promised land. They became very discouraged. Notice what happened. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness, in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Now notice this. Notice what happens when a believer, listen, this is very important. Notice what happens when believers leave discouragement unchecked. It does, see, discouragement tries to come to all of us. But you've got to confront it. You can't give in to to that heaviness, those clouds that try to billow over your soul. But when you don't check that and fight that through discouragement, here's what happens. Notice wrong attitudes crept in to these people. Notice quickly, notice this. Fault finding starts. We're looking for someone to blame for our troubles. That's very prevalent today victimization see discouraged believers notice begin to find fault with God and God's leaders that's what happens when discouragement comes negative words notice how Israel was so pessimistic they're saying the wrong things think about it when we get discouraged we start our our, our verbiage our language our words instead of being words of faith and positivity all of a sudden we're speaking the wrong words And notice what else happens here. They're dissatisfied. When we get discouraged, we become dissatisfied with our lives. We can become dissatisfied with everything. We lose the spirit of gratitude. We we have a sense of hopelessness. We feel like we're in a dead end. But isn't it interesting? Paul in a Mamertine prison said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Contentment is a rare jewel among Christians. Yet Paul understood that if he had Christ, he had everything. Think about this this evening. This is a ministry we need, but it's, it's a neglected ministry. It's a needed ministry. Now, I want to close this teaching with the third thought, and that's this. This ministry of encouragement, is, it's a nurturing ministry what I mean by that. Nurture means to build up. This is a ministry that can build up the family of God. This is a ministry that can build up the body of Christ. It's an incredible ministry. So, So how do we understand the ministry of encouragement? How would I describe it? I want to describe it in six words. Six words 
that were dropped in my heart today. So, so in other words, how do we frame it? What does the ministry of encouragement look like? Let me give you six, six words, that is. Number one is this, that this ministry is a personal ministry. Sometimes, sometimes we talk in such generalities. You know, we talk about the church, and yes, we're the body of Christ, but we have to know that we are a member of that body. We are part of that body. We are part of that spiritual body. We're, we're a brick in that temple, in that spiritual temple. And what you need to see is this. This ministry of encouragement is a personal ministry that every single one of us need to engage in. Think about this. won't read this for time's sake, but in Acts 9, we have two powerful illustrations of the personal ministry of encouragement. We have it in Ananias and we have it in Barnabas. The Lord spoke to Ananias and said, listen, I want you to go down and pray for a man. His name's Saul. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard about this man. He's incarcerating Christians. He's killing Christians. He's making havoc in the church. And the Lord said to Ananias, I want you to go because I have a ministry for Paul. I want you to go because he's a chosen vessel of mine. He will be the apostle to the Gentiles. And you read in Acts 9 that, Barna, that Ananias went to Saul. And first thing he says, and you think about Saul, he's blinded. He's blinded. He hasn't, he's hadn't eaten food, I think it says, for several days. And all of a sudden, he hears the Ananias and he says, Ananias says, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. Prayed over him. The Lord opened his eyes. And right in that text, it says that he was strengthened. Paul was strengthened. What a great illustration of personal encouragement. In that same chapter, we have another man named Barnabas. And Barnabas, when he tried to take, when Paul tried to go to Jerusalem and meet the, the apostles, they were going, His, this guy's not an apostle. This guy's not an apostle. This man, had, it's a trick, I'm sure they were thinking. But who was it? But it was Barnabas that went to the leaders at Jerusalem. And what he said was, no, God has done something in Saul's life. He has truly been saved, and he's been preaching, and he's been hazarding his life. Man, we need some Barnabases in the family of God. And then later on, we see Paul passing on incredible encouragement to his young protege, his son in the faith named Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, he says, I, I long to see you praying for you, Timothy. And then he says this, I don't want you to be discouraged. God isn't giving you that spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Stir up the gift that's in you. God has more for you, Paul is saying. God has more ministry for you to do. Stir up the gift that's deposited there. It's not out yet. Fan it in the flame. God will anoint it again, and, and you have something to do. What is that? That's the personal ministry of encouragement. Who can you encourage? Who can you call? Who can you send a note? Who can you send a letter? It's personal ministry. It's also a profitable ministry. What do I mean? I mean this. I mean this strengthens the body. It's profitable for the body. The body of Christ is profited when we have, we have ministers of encouragement sitting in the pews. And everywhere you go, you come in the church door and the ushers are filled with encouragement. Pastors are filled with encouragement. Deacons are filled with encouragement. Everyone has a ministry they're engaging in. They're building others up. What happens? The church is profited in incredible ways. I was at a hospital the other day 
sitting with one of our dear ladies, Sue Fernandez. And as we talked there, she said, I'm reading a book about positive confession. And I could tell she was so excited about it. And I thought about that later. And I thought about it as I prepared this message. Sue is trying to become an encourager. And she is an encourager. She's building herself so she can profit the body. Now think about it. Profitable. But it's also, think about this. It's also, let's frame it. What's it look like? What's a ministry of encouragement look like? It's a precious ministry. I mentioned Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, it mentions that something he did in a great time of need, a great time of famine, a great time of persecution and lack, he went and sold a whole piece of land and he just laid it at the apostles' feet. Didn't control it anymore. He just said, it's, it's the churches, however you want to use it. And then it says a little nugget in there. It says that his name, Barnabas, his really his name was Joseph, but, but Barnabas, and then it says that his name means the son of encouragement. Can I tell you this quickly? Those kind of people are precious to the body of Christ. Think about this this evening. The people that have had the greatest impact upon your life, the people that have blessed you the most, that mean the most to you, that when you think about them, there's a warmth, there's a preciousness about it. Do you know who they are? They're those people who in those difficult moments have encouraged you. It's a precious ministry. Don't you know that Barnabas was precious to the body? When they thought about Barnabas, it was just, they just loved him. Everyone loved him, beloved by all. It's a precious ministry. How do we frame it? What does it look like? What are the characteristics? Almost done. Of the ministry of encouragement, it's a promise ministry. Do you know who the greatest encourager in is? It's not your pastor. It's not a deacon. It's not some human being. The greatest encourager is the divine God of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is your greatest encourager. In fact, in this chapter that we first read out of, it calls him the God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement. And God wants you to be encouraged tonight in the name of Jesus. Now, I can't hear you, but I know you're amening. God encourages us again and again with his incredible promises. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you and prosper you, give a hope and an outcome. That's, in, that's encouragement. One of the great encouraging passages that blessed my wife many, many years ago when we were going through a difficult time was Isaiah 41.10. God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What an incredible promise. These promises are God's encouragement to us. How do we frame it? What are its characteristics? I want to tell you, it's a powerful ministry. What do I mean? One of the names of the Holy Spirit is comforter or counselor. You know what that means, paraclete, parakletos? It means one called alongside to strengthen us. One called alongside to comfort us is the picture. So think about this. Holy Spirit is called our comforter. Holy Spirit is called our encourager. So do you know what you see? 
Do you know what you experience? When someone in the body of Christ engages in the ministry of encouragement, what you're seeing, you're seeing a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God in and through that person's life. When you see someone that's a, that's a, a minister of encouragement, what you see is an anointed uh, son or daughter of God, an anointed person. Why? Because the ministry of encouragement is powerful. It's very powerful. It's an anointed ministry. And I close with this. This ministry of encouragement is a very purposeful ministry. What do I mean? It has a, a encouragement has a very specific goal. What is the goal? Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. 40:29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what the purpose of the ministry of encouragement is? It is to enable you to renew your strength, to enable you to rebuild your faith, to enable to re-engage in courage, to enable you to overcome every satanic assault of doubt and to give you a reason to move forward, the grace of God, to fulfill God's will and God's purpose. And so I close this teaching and this message with these words in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be encouraged. Give yourself fully to the work of God. Get up from where you are. You can make it. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're going to make it. The church is going to make it. It's going to grow. It's going to be great. Now we're going to pray. I have some, I have some prayer needs that are on this back wall. A couple of needs here. We're going to pray for these needs. Odell, Brother Odell, request prayer. For Ronnie and Connie and their business. Donna requests prayer. Her cousin in Salt Lake said there was an earthquake there today. There's something. Boy, this is crazy, isn't it? All that's going on in our world. I know there's other needs, but let's just where you are there. Let's believe God. God will never let us down. Let's trust him tonight. Father, we lift up Ronnie and Connie. Lord, we lift up Donna's cousin. We lift up these in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you would supernaturally sustain your holy elect people. God, that you would, Lord, that you would undergird us during these times. That you would be our help in the storm. Lord, that you be the fourth man in the fire with us. Deliver your people from this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. We thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for protecting these that have requested prayer tonight. And we pray in Jesus' glorious and holy name. Praise God. As we close this time, Stephanie, could you come and join me? Let's sing one more. Let's sing one more worship song. You can sing whatever you want or one of the ones you just sang. God bless you tonight, church. 
I'm sorry that we could not be together physically in one place. Uh, Sunday, we will have this same format again. Uh, we want to cooperate with our leaders, with our president, asking us to, to help curb this thing that's sweeping, this coronavirus that's sweeping. We just want to do the best we can. We want to be courteous to those that may be more vulnerable in, in our world, our elderly, and those that have preconditions of, that are susceptible to these types of things. And, and that's, that's a main thing, you know, to, to, uh, to think about others. But I, I just let's stay strong in the Lord and in his mercy and in his grace. Let's, let's worship just a moment and then I'll conclude us in prayer. Lead us in prayer or lead us in song that is. Flow in this place, fill our hearts with your love, your love surrounds us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're the reason we came to encounter your love, your love surrounds us. The overflow, overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love, your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love, your love surrounds us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You surround us with your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for this night that we could gather online. We thank you for your mercies, for your grace. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that we sense even now in this place. And we pray, Father, that everyone has experienced your presence and your grace. We pray for a release of miracles. Pray that miracles would be released. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we trust in you. We rest in your grace and your mercy and your love. And for this, we thank you. We thank you. Now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with every single one of you. I hope that you'll join us again on Sunday morning. Let's get as many people as we can online. And, and I know some are gathering in little groups. But let's get as many as we can. And those that, that maybe you want to share this with that are not even a part of our church. Sunday, we're going to meet again at 1015. We're going to bring a word to you. We're going to have worship. We're going to have prayer together. And so be encouraged. Amen. Jesus is on his throne. God bless you.